Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Kara Frederick. She is a research fellow in the Center for Technology and Policy at the Heritage Foundation. But prior to joining the Heritage Foundation, Kara helped create and lead Facebook's Global Security and Counterterrorism Analysis Program and has recently written a tremendous article that I think everybody should read. You go on uh, Heritage Foundation to find it. It's called Combating Big Tech's Totalitarianism, a Roadmap. Kara, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. So you, you, you worked within the belly of the beast uh, in terms of Facebook. So probably what's going on now is not a major surprise to you, is it? You know, I, the, what surprised me the most is how fast this has accelerated. So I've seen, you know, when I was working there, I sort of saw the seeds of all of this happening. I, you know, I knew that as a conservative, I couldn't speak out. I couldn't let anyone know my political proclivities. Um, the, the rare brave person who actually did on some of the message boards that we would all have as an organization would get keyword and to the point of even driven out of the company. So, you know, I knew that that um, potential for clamping down on, on free expression was always there, but I never thought they would do it at the scale that they've been doing it lately. I mean, uh, even I worked in counterterrorism analysis, so we were dealing with some of the, the bad stuff and the bad actors on the platform. And I started to see a shift away from the reason why I originally went there to combat foreign Islamic terrorism and cheerleading for ISIS and propaganda and whatnot. But they sort of started to shift away just really, really in an embryonic fashion, not developed at all, but into this whole right-leaning morass, right? They started saying, okay, we maybe we're a little more biased toward uh, foreign Islamic terrorists than we should be, and we should focus on, you know, what white supremacists are doing and white people are doing and right-leaning people are doing. And I left before that really sort of blossomed and turned into full-on uh, speech suppression, uh, but I never thought that it would accelerate as fast as it seems to have starting with, you know, Trump's election in 2016, when everybody blamed Facebook for, for what happened. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily the reason why Trump got elected at all. People actually had grievances and reasons to support him. But it just accelerated from 2016 to the Hunter Biden laptop story suppression to COVID misinformation suppression beyond uh, my, my wildest vision, to be completely honest. Well, um, talk about taking advantage, right? It's this great reset that we have with, you know, uh, everybody that goes to DeVos, Switzerland, uh, whether it's Soros or Gates or whoever, right? They've taken advantage of opportunities. And this dictatorship that you talk about really couldn't take place without the government embracing it, allowing it, and really uh, just encouraging it. Oh, yeah. And this is the thing, you know, I think big tech and the symbiosis between them and the government is intensifying. So we saw a good example of this in 2016 or in, in July of uh, this past year, 2021, where Jen Psaki admitted from the White House podium that the government, the Biden administration was working with Facebook to single out accounts and posts for censorship. And then within a month, those users and accounts that she and the Surgeon General pointed out were taken off Facebook. You you know, that's just what she admitted out loud. And then in February, she again brazenly went to the same podium and said, 
Spotify can do more in relation to the Joe Rogan censorship controversy. Uh, the DHS secretary, Mallorca, said the same thing, but with regard to election integrity, not just COVID misinformation. And then Biden in January also directly called on tech companies to police COVID-related speech. So this is happening, and not just at the federal level, but state governments are doing this as well. There was a complaint filed um, on behalf of Rogan O'Hanley, who eventually got purged from Twitter in February 2021, his account had never been looked at or flagged or anything until the California state government sent a direct note to Twitter and said, look at this conservative guy. He's questioning election integrity. You should do something about it. And then all of a sudden there's scrutiny on his account, according to the complaint. So this is happening at all levels. This is happening and only intensifying. Americans have to be on guard against that because private companies can infringe on people's rights, too, especially when they're working with the government. Well, and you talk about in your article, right, the gatekeepers of information, uh, whether they're the elite media, academia, the government institutions, big tech. I mean, this is really the perfect storm in terms of all of them collaborating together as opposed to kind of doing their own thing. And we see the dangerous result, right, when they work together hand in hand. Exactly. And I think it's important to impress upon your listeners, too, that this is not just confined to social media companies or the big guys. So smaller guys like uh, GoFundMe, uh, like Kickstarter, like PayPal, other uh, tech companies are looking at what big tech is doing with the government and they're following suit. They're effectively saying, okay, these big tech companies aren't paying a material or cultural price for suppressing conservative content or conservative views. So we think we can do the same thing. And you had PayPal partnering with the Anti-Defamation League to investigate the funding mechanisms of right-wing organizations, MailChimp suspending uh, portions of the Tea Party, um, and they blacklisted Women for America first. And then the Babylon Bee, they even targeted them for a time until the CEO said, hey, what gives? And they got caught. Um, and then GoFundMe, Kickstarter. Um, you've seen what's happened in Canada, right? Where uh, GoFundMe had, a, they allowed a fundraiser for the freedom convoy of Canadian truckers to be uh, donated to. And then they realized, oh, they're going against the Trudeau government. They were pressured by the Trudeau government and the Ottawa police to say, oh, we're not going to dispense the rest of the nine million remaining Canadian dollars to the truckers. And they said they were going to give it to the woke charities of their choice. But then people got angry, said fraud, fraud. And then now they're saying, okay, they're going to dispense it back to the people who contributed. But bottom line, this is not just confined to social media companies. It's confined to the online payment platforms, the email delivery services, even the internet service providers who GoDaddy kicked off a website for supporting a pro-life group, which is also supporting the Texas Heartbeat Act. And GoDaddy said, no, we can't have pro-lifers on our web hosting site. So um, it's crazy and it's permeating every aspect of our digital life. And we were talking about it before, right? People used to say, you're chicken little you know, the sky's falling, the sky's falling. And then all these things start happening. And then Trudeau does everybody the greatest favor, right? He goes total dictatorship, uh, seizing people's funds and their bank account, going after people. I mean, all you have to do is read quote after quote after quote. So anybody who's in denial about what you're talking about, all they have to do is go on anything right now and just see what's happening in Canada. And it's exactly what you're talking about. 
Exactly. And there's a couple elements at play to that as well. So in the report, we write about the repurposing of counterterrorism tools to target mainstream thought. Um, in this case, uh, mainstream conservative thought or even thoughts that, that go against what the government is saying is true and is part of the narrative, right? So not everyone in that trucker convoy is a conservative at all. They're Canadians, right? And most of them are even vaccinated, but they're saying this is massive government overreach. So, and the government then mobilizes to say, okay, you're a counterterrorism risk, and then institute all of those strictures on their, their banking, on cryptocurrencies and, the, and, and whatnot. So I think it is very, very very dangerous. It's being enacted in Canada. But again, we're seeing the seeds of this happen in America as well. And everyone probably saw the Department of Homeland Security bulletin that said Americans that uh, spread disinformation, malinformation, misinformation uh, are to potentially considered terrorists. Um, that is insane. Um, this definition inflation of what extremism actually is has gone to, you know, the government level. You saw the National School Board Association working in tandem with the White House, trying to get our attorney general of the U.S. to say that parents who are against uh, critical race theory being taught in schools should be treated as domestic extremists. So, you know, this is a definition inflation of the word extremism that's happening with our government. It's happening with tech companies as well. Facebook ha issued a extremism warning pilot program this past summer in July as well, um, basically telling grandmas who engage with Fox News that they had could have engaged with extremist content. Um, and, you know, this is happening with Google, who uh, the co-founder after Trump got elected said Trump voters were extremists and he was toying with the idea, according to Molly Hemingway's reporting, of using his tech incubator, Jigsaw, which was originally created for foreign Islamic terrorism, to influence the thoughts of Trump voters, you know, these wild extremists in his mind. So it's here. It is on our shores. You know, it all, the Biden administration is no doubt taking notes from what Trudeau is doing, and Americans have to be aware of that and be on guard against it. Well, and, you know, with the cryptocurrency, they, they can't get their filthy mitts on it. So now you got people like Elizabeth Warren and other. We we need to come up with legislation so that we can make sure we corral that. Of course, they paint it like they're trying to protect people. But in reality, they're trying to just control everything from A to Z. Right. Oh, of course. And it's always under the guard of these or the guise of these nebulous conceptions of harm and safety. You know, we know what's best for you. We're protecting you. Let us control you. And that to me is it's antithetical to the, the ethos of tech founders, right? The, the whole idea behind crypto and Bitcoin and distributed ledgers and decentralized networks are that the users, the people know best that you as an individual, you are endowed by your creator, by God, um, this was enshrined in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, specific rights, and you can exercise those individual rights. But the Warrens of the world, you know, the big government Biden people of the world are basically saying, no, 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 no. We know what's best for you. We'll control your, your thoughts because if you should not be allowed to, to go buy a cup of coffee or have any funds, if you engage in thoughts that are contrary to our narrative. Uh, there was another instance here where the Department of Justice announced they were gonna create an anti-terrorism unit and the crimes that they're focusing on are 
anti-authority and anti-government ideologies. So if you think that what Trudeau is doing is wrong or what Biden is doing is wrong, you are subject to that potential anti-terrorism unit and their scrutiny coming down on you. So uh, again, it's it's one of those things where, you know, the Warrens of the world love this kind of thing. uh, And there's a reason that they do. And these authoritarian and totalitarian impulses on behalf of the left are, are not going to redound to anyone's benefit in our country, at least. Well, they're masters at accusing people of doing exactly what they're doing, right? I mean, the truckers, are, you know, that's that's Trump's fault, right? The First Amendment <laughs> that we that we have only applies depending on if you're on the left. If you're on the right, you're a terrorist, right? And we even have the Washington Post and different publications, right? Attacking the word freedom, right? People that use the word freedom are now white supremacists. So you can't even use freedom. They hijack the language. They do everything they can to twist this. And people just need to wake up and see what's going on. Precisely. Uh, And you're exactly right. Projection is the name of the game with them. Uh, They are the ones who accuse Trump of being a dictator and a fascist and a totalitarian. And look at what they're doing. The second that they found a crisis that they wouldn't let go to waste in in COVID-19 and the coronavirus. So they are using this as an opportunity. Uh, You mentioned the Great Reset at the beginning of this. You know, that was supposed to be a verboten conspiracy theory, the provenance of the kooks. Um, No one is allowed to talk about that because that's just crazy right-wing nonsense. Yet, uh, Klaus Schwab wrote an entire book about it. That was the title of the book. They are not hiding the ball here. Uh, They're telling us exactly what they want to do to us. Um, You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And that entire ethos is a it's a top-down ethos. It's a concentration of power and visiting and abusing that power on, you know, regular citizens. That's the only way that it's going to work. And I do, I want to talk about something that I think is important here. And originally yeah. this was just sort of whispered in, in the corners of, of the internet and, you know, people who like myself, who studied uh, the Chinese social credit system uh, for a long time and their use of digital surveillance to exercise internal control from the top down on their populace. Uh, they used private companies to do this. There's a, a much different, but not so different anymore, integration between the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, the government, and these private companies. Um, in the military space, they call it civil military fusion. So they basically fuse the ingenuity of the private sector with the strictures of the government. Now, we're seeing manifestations of that uh, in Canada, clearly, and, and here at home, too, when the government, like we talked about before, is using the private sector to effectively enact a, a social credit system on the people, right? And there's two elements to this. There's the digital ID and digital passport uh, element that everyone was talking about when it came to your vaccine passport, right? Um, the idea, idea that they're going to digitize that, that you can't walk into a store unless you, you know, you have your QR code that says you're good to go. They do that in China. They have QR codes that basically there's a green light, a yellow light or a red light. Are you healthy? Green light. Uh, Maybe you stand to, you know, be uh, a little bit sick. Yellow light. Oh, you're definitely sick. Red light. So that kind of thing was being toyed with here, never fully implemented. And that's good. But that's that gateway to the social credit system. In addition to the second element, and that is tech 
companies doing the government bidding to effectively cut you off from digital life and a public life if you have the wrong opinions, especially as with regard to the government. You know, it almost seems like this polyamorous relationship when you have government, big tech and China, right? You can't criticize China. You let them do whatever they want because everybody's on the dole for China. So they let them do right. China owns TikTok. They are collecting information. You know, they build embassies around the world and put surveillance within them. I mean, they know exactly what they're doing. The United States government does, too. And we uh, we embrace them and bring them in and just, you know, follow their playbook. Right. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And this is something I don't think the American people are well aware of, uh, because, of course, we know that the Eric Swalwells of the world and, you know, all of the some real power players in D.C. and in big business are are enthralled to China, because, like you said, they're on the dole. China has infiltrated our elite class very deliberately. You know, it's the long, slow march concept, not just through the institutions, but through the power players of the world. It's a deliberate tactic. It's very smart. Um, they've managed to to do that uh, with, with the, our elites, again, our big business uh, CEOs. When you have the Nike CEO saying that we are a business of China for China, uh, that should make people pause uh, in addition to what the NBA has done, kowtow to China at the expense of the freedoms of the Hong Kong people and the Uyghurs who are imprisoned in concentration camps in the Western province or in the Western part of Xinjiang. Um, so I think that's critical. But when it comes to big tech companies, they're hiding behind the fact that, okay, we have a competition with China. So we have to ensure that we are untouched, you know, by any sort of uh, government scrutiny or scrutiny from the people because we are the engine of progress in America and innovation and technology. But that's not true. What's true is Tim Cook in 2016 signed a nearly $275 billion deal with the Chinese Communist Party to help with China's technological development and prowess. What's true is Jeff Bezos of Amazon worked actively with the CCP propaganda arm. What's true is that Google uh, takes its AI research and development and works it at a, a PLA, a Chinese military, the People's Liberation Army, linked research lab in Beijing. So these tech companies are not uh, to be untouched. They are not separate from what the NBA is doing, what Nike is doing. In fact, as General Gunford said, who was a former joint chairman of the Chiefs of Staff um, in 2019, that Google is actively helping the Chinese military when it works on AI development in these Beijing labs. So it's critical that the American people recognize this and we really have to move to action. And I know uh, former Secretary of State Mike, Mike Pompeo, before the Olympics started, warned all athletes, don't bring your phones, don't do this. They're collecting everything, right? They go after, they target children. Uh, this is not like some uh, conspiracy theory like you're talking about. This is, there. there's a means to the end, and it really is about control, right? We're idiots. We don't know what we're doing. We'll tell you what we want you to think or when we want your opinion, we'll give it to you kind of thing. And it really is scary about how much information they have on each and every one of us, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's terrifying. And and like I said before, you know, China is at the bleeding edge of using these digital surveillance technologies for internal control. They've really mastered it. And unfortunately, uh, you know, I used to think that America had you know, sufficient rule of law protections, 
openness, you know, an open culture where we weren't self-censoring, uh, but now we are. Uh, a free press that was independent, uh, that seems to be gone now. An independent judiciary, uh, they're holding the line, but just barely, and an engaged citizenry. But it looks like that bulwark that would prevent us from becoming much more like China is really starting to crumble. So I'm very concerned about that. And, you know, sort of the, the lack of understanding that, that people are displaying when it comes to what the intent actually is. And you really, you talked about how much uh, data they have on us, these big tech companies. So moving away from China now, but, yeah. you know, big tech companies, the, the contours of that are, are here too. They collect, store and share and sell uh, the data on the users in, in prodigious ways. Um, if, if you haven't heard the phrase, if you're getting this product for free when it comes to tech, you are the product. You know, that is, is very much an evidence here. And there's a couple of facts that your listeners should know. Um, and this, I think, is very illustrative. How in 2019, a German researcher installed 14 commercial apps on his phone in just a one day period. So 24 hours, he woke up and discovered that 7,305 data transmissions to 636 servers took place in those hours. And 64% of those transmissions occurred when his screen was locked and 18% overnight. So these apps are doing things that you don't even know what they're doing when you're not actively working on them. Even in Google's case, this is the subject of a third lawsuit by the Texas Attorney General. They are touching your, their, your location even when you thought you've turned it off. Uh, so there are many ways that what Facebook is doing too. They, in 2019, that same year, admitted collecting user data even when users are not logged on to Facebook. So they're collecting a lot of information on you in the background and you don't even know. Uh, device ID information, what TikTok does is especially pernicious. They take your keystroke rhythm. They have access to your microphone, your contacts. Again, like you said, they're owned by a parent company headquartered in Beijing. So all of that data beholden to China and the CCP in some shape or capacity. So it's, it's very important for Americans to be able to understand what's being done to them, what's being done to their data and how it's being used. And right now we don't have any of that legislation to actually protect the user so that Americans can effectively take the power back. Well, it's hard to think that the government will do anything. I mean, I know there's some voices out there that are speaking against this, but what what can individuals do to protect their privacy when they want to be on the Internet and when they want to do uh, searches and work with different apps? Is there anything they can do? You know, there there are some things, but a lot of them are, are rigorous and, you know, you pay a price for convenience, right? Um, so not too many people are, are, you know, super excited about installing two-factor identification and all authentication and all those things. Um, but what I think is, is the best thing that users can do is, is really diversify the apps that they use and diversify the platforms and search engines that they use um, and go towards companies and products that really value privacy. Uh, the Signal Foundation, I think, is doing great here and using um, Signal for your point-to-point -point messaging needs. I think that is a good start. You know, if your iMessages are not private, your Twitter DMs are not private, WhatsApp, compromise. So people need to actually gravitate towards these 
uh, products that really take privacy seriously. Um, if you're dissatisfied with the search results you're getting on Google because they're actively manipulated and ranked and deranked based off of what Google wants you to see, go to DuckDuckGo. Use these alternative platforms. The same thing uh, goes with social media. So I think Trump just launched True Social today. So there's a kind yeah. of a cue to, to get on there, but, but there are great Real conservative platforms, a right forge, which allows for cloud hosting infrastructure. So something like what happened to Parler at the hand of Amazon Web Services can't happen. Uh, Rumble is also a great YouTube competitor right now that is uh, making commitments to not censor like YouTube and Google censor. So I think diversifying, letting these companies know that you are going to take your business and your um, dollars elsewhere uh, to actual um, uh, products that value freedom of expression, I think that's a critical first step. Well, I think people need to be aware. And so you're making them aware, which is really important, but they have to do something about it. We're down to the last couple of minutes. Um, just real quick. Is there any hope that our government officials, you know, Republicans or whoever really have the, the bandwidth and the backbone to, to do something about this? You know, I think there there's a change. There is a change in Congress, which is great. People are are rising up to this fact because as I intimated at the beginning, there are a lot of companies, they flood their lobbying dollars into, um, frankly, the libertarians on Capitol Hill and whatnot and say, we're private companies. Don't touch us. We, you know, we are the, the engines of innovation, as I said before, in America. So you can't touch us. But yet they're actually engaging in practices that actively impede innovation and new entrants and the little guy and other competitors. But conservatives are wising up to this. They're wising up to the fact that these private companies, especially in tandem with the government right now, can infringe upon our God-given rights that are enshrined in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. That just because they're private companies doesn't mean that they can't have undue influence over our lives and deliberately attempt to shape our behavior and poison our children. Because make no mistake, they know the deleterious effects that these have on children these devices, these products, and they're going forward with creating products, especially aimed at that demographic anyway. So I think lawmakers are, are justifiably angry now and they're, they're energized enough to actually get something done, whether that looks like reforming Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, actually enforcing antitrust laws, um, requiring transparency and data privacy, making sure these tech companies are not working hand in glove with the CCP, and really just giving Americans new ways to fight back with prompt and meaningful recourse against these companies. I really do think there's a lot of energy on the Hill with regard to this, and we could potentially make some things happen uh, in the future. How can people follow what you're doing, Kara? Because I think it's really important. So you can find all our work at the heritage at heritage.org. Um, and if you're interested in some of the latest things coming out of, of my shop in particular, I'm on Twitter, unfortunately, um, but others, but Twitter right now at Kara, K-A-R-A, A Frederick. Um, and that's F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.